the one thing that Ezra brings before us immediately after telling us about the return is that when they returned, their priority was worship. And the three elements for them of that worship were the altar, the feast, and the temple. And what we're going to do today is to see the significance of these three elements of Old Testament worship for all of us today. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, in the first part of the message, we were looking at the people of Israel returning back to the land and getting this fresh start. Some of us today could use a fresh start. What would that be like for us today? Yes, it's a wonderful story that we're looking at. And uh, as you say, it's all about making a new beginning. And uh, there'll be folks who are listening to the program right now and you're saying, you know, I need a new start. I I need a new beginning. But how do I do that? Well, that's exactly what we're looking at today from the book of Ezra. There are really three parts to making a new beginning. And we're going to start today with looking at the altar. It's fascinating. The first thing that God's people did when they made a new beginning was to establish and to build an altar. And what that speaks to us about is offering yourself to God. That's where you begin. You offer your whole self. As Paul says in Romans in chapter 12, you present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. That's where you begin. And then there are other steps that go from there. May God use his word today to bring us to that place where we're able to make the new beginning and we find out how to do it. Let's go to Ezra chapter 3 as we begin the message, The Priority of Worship. Here's Colin. We're following the story of the return, that is the return of God's people to Jerusalem after the long years of their exile in Babylon. And we began last week seeing how King Cyrus made a proclamation that all who wanted to return and rebuild the city of Jerusalem and especially its temple were free to return. And God stirred the hearts of 50,000 people. And in this series, we are following the story of their return. And we're seeing that it's a story that actually speaks very directly to all of us today. It is a story about a new beginning after a long period of disruption. And we ask the question, now why does this return matter? Why is it so important in the Bible? Why are there two whole books of the Bible devoted to the return, Ezra and Nehemiah? After all, God's people in Babylon were still able to read the scriptures. They were still able to pray. They could bear witness to those who did not believe where they were. Why does the return really matter? And we saw this answer that in the Old Testament, It was God's clear and stated purpose that there should be a place on earth where God's people would gather, where God's name would be exalted, and where God's presence would be known. And in the Old Testament, that place was the city of Jerusalem. And we saw that for us today in the New Testament era, it is God's purpose that there should be in every community places where God's people will gather, where God's name will be exalted, and where God's presence will be known. And that is the calling of the church. 
And we saw how that speaks to us today. It would be very, very easy for us in these days where we've become used to meeting online to somehow get the idea that uh, gathering for worship doesn't really matter, but it does. And I want to say again, I really understand that people will choose to return to worship at different times, just as God's people in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem at different times. But please, please don't fall into the trap of thinking that gathering for worship doesn't matter. It really does, and that's why it's a wonderful thing that we are gathered here together this morning. It matters because God's purpose is that in every community there should be places where God's people will be gathered, where his name will be exalted, and where his presence will be known as we gather for worship. So this is a story about a new beginning after a long period of disruption. But it's also a story that speaks to us very directly today because it is about a new passion after a long period of discouragement. We saw in chapter 1 and verse 5 that God stirred the hearts of his people. And when their hearts were stirred, God's people had a stronger faith, they had a brighter hope, and they had a greater joy. They had a new sparkle in the eye. They had a new spring in the step. And the book of Ezra really describes a great spiritual awakening And we ended last time with the desire that God would stir our hearts, that he would awaken us in new ways as he did these 50,000 people so long ago. Now that's where we've got to, and today we take up the story in the book of Ezra and chapter 3. And sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I just find it helpful before I start reading a chapter to say, if it's a narrative story, what would I expect to find here? And after chapter one, where they're given permission to return, and then the long chapter two that gives the list of all the names of the people who actually did return, I think in chapter three, I'd expect a description of the journey, a description of the ruins that they found when they got back, something about how they had to all build their own homes and so forth and so on, how they managed to gather food, and there's nothing on any of these subjects in chapter 3 whatsoever. In fact, in chapter 3, Ezra draws our attention to three things that have one focus. The three things are the altar, the feast, and the temple. And the common focus of each of these is that they were all elements of Old Testament worship. The one thing that Ezra brings before us immediately after telling us about the return is that when they returned, their priority was worship. And the three elements for them of that worship were the altar, the feast, and the temple. And what we're going to do today is to see the significance of these three elements of Old Testament worship for all of us today. First of all, then, the altar, which speaks to us about offering yourself to God. Notice chapter 3 and verse 2. They built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, 
the man of God. Now, the altar in the time of the first temple, Solomon's temple, was a high elevated platform. In the first temple, can you imagine this? It actually measured 30 feet square and 15 feet high. It had a huge ramp that gave access to it. Imagine all these animals being dragged up the ramp. It was an extraordinary structure. And of course, the altar was the place where sacrifices were made. And that points to the central truth of all of the Bible, that one day the Son of God would come and that he would be slaughtered, that he would be placed on the altar of the cross, and that by the shedding of his blood, God would make the way for us to find peace with him. Now, in the Old Testament, of course, there were many different kinds of sacrifices or offerings that were made on the altar. And here we're told that God's people offered burnt offerings on the altar. You can read about these in Leviticus and chapter 1. And what was distinct about the burnt offerings was that the whole of the offering was given to God. You see, with some of the other sacrifices, some of the meat was kept in reserve for the priests, but not the burnt offering. With the burnt offering, the whole of it was given to God. So you see, for example, in Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 9, if it is a bull, the priest shall offer all of it on the altar. Or verse 13, if it is a sheep or a goat, the priest shall offer all of it. The point is that with the burnt offering, everything is given. And nothing is held back. And of course, that points very wonderfully to our Lord Jesus giving himself without holding anything back when he died for us on the cross. And so when God's people were giving a burnt offering, what they were saying was, Lord, you are our God and we are your people, and we are giving ourselves afresh to you, and we are holding nothing back. And if you want to know the significance of the burnt offering in New Testament terms, you need look no further than the words of Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, where he says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see what he's saying? This is worship. This is where worship begins. We gather together and we sing and we pray and we hear the reading of Scripture. We hear the Word of God being preached. What are we actually to be doing in and through all these things? Answer number one, we are in worship giving ourselves to God in the light of his mercy, give yourself to him. That's the significance of the burnt offering. And notice that God's people did this, verse four, daily. In other words, this was baked into the rhythm of their daily lives. In fact, it was morning and evening, every morning, Lord, I'm giving myself to you without reservation. I'm here to do your will. At the end of the day, Lord, I'm yours. Watch over me this night. And if you shall give to me another day, it will be a day in which I am your servant. And then Ezra makes 
what to me is a really surprising statement. Always good to look in the Bible for what's surprising. And I think verse 3 is really surprising because Ezra describes the motive that they had for giving themselves to God. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and we'll get right back to the message shortly. The message is called The Priority of Worship, and it's part of our series simply called Return. If you've missed any of the series, or if you want to go back and listen again, you can always come online to our website, openthebible.org.uk. There you can find any of the messages that have already gone out on air. You can also find our messages as podcasts, which may be easier for you to access. Now you'll find our podcasts on all the regular podcasting sites. Just search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. Now, there are many motives that we have for giving ourselves without reservation to the Lord. I mean, we give ourselves to the Lord because we love him, right? We give ourselves to the Lord because it's our joy to serve him. We give ourselves to the Lord because we can never outgive Him, and He has done so many marvelous things for us. Our hearts are simply filled with gratitude. But I want you to notice what Ezra tells us here. They set the altar in its place. Why? For fear was on them because of the peoples of the lands. Now, who are these peoples of the lands? Well, remember that the Babylonians and the Assyrians in earlier years had followed a policy of relocating the peoples they conquered to other lands. And so when God's people were moved out of the promised lands, other conquered peoples were moved in. And, of course, when God's people then returned, the 50,000 came back to Jerusalem, the peoples of the lands, the ones who had been resettled there, who later, by the way, became known as the Samaritans, they were not at all happy. And we will see next week that the peoples of the lands actually were very powerful. And they opposed the work of rebuilding Jerusalem relentlessly for years. And God's people at this point, remember, were just a very, very small community, just 50,000 people. And here we read that because of all the peoples of the lands who relentlessly opposed them, fear was on them. Now, do you notice in this verse, it is very significant, Ezra is telling us how God's people dealt with their fears. They built an altar and they offered themselves to God. You see what that's telling us? They found strength to face their fears in knowing that God was their God and that they were his people. Now that speaks so directly to us today. Do you find yourself battling fear? When fear is on you, what do you do? Well, we're being told here, when fear is on you, You offer yourself to God. The harder life becomes, the more we need to know that God is our God and that we really are his people. And Matthew Henry makes this point, I think, very beautifully. He says, difficulty and danger should always stir us up to seek the face of God. 
He says, if you've got enemies, you need all the more to know that God is your friend. And he says this, I quote, this good use we should make of our fears, we should be driven by them to our knees. That's absolutely right. These people made good use of their fears. Are you making good use of your fears? The good use of your fears is that it drives you to your knees, that you give yourself to God, because in your fears, you realize more deeply how much you need to know with assurance that God is your God and that you are indeed among his people. Now, here's why worship matters. This whole chapter is about the priority of worship. Why does it matter? Because in worship, we offer ourselves to God. In worship, God assures us afresh that we are his people and that he really is our God. And therefore, in worship, we gain the strength we need to face our fears. So practical. Now, that's the first thing, the altar. It speaks to us of offering yourself to God. Second, the feast, which speaks to us about rejoicing in what God has done. Look at verse 4. They kept the feast of booths, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings. Now, this Feast of Booths, which was also known as the Feast of Tabernacles, was a celebration of all that God had done in bringing his people through the wilderness after the Exodus. He brought them through the wilderness and brought them into the promised land. And of course, during all these years in the wilderness, what did God's people live in? Well, they lived in tents or booths, temporary structures. They were always on the move. And so when they came into the promised land, there was this great annual celebration of what God had done in bringing them into the land. And what God's people did was that they left their houses for an entire week. They built these temporary structures or booths and uh, lived in them for a week while they celebrated all that God has done. The kids must have absolutely loved this. I mean, it really was a great occasion. I mean, it was something to look forward to. It was a celebration, a kind of summer camp out, rejoicing in all that God had done. And of course, when the exiles came back from Jerusalem, they must have had even greater joy in this feast because, well, it was not only what God had done for others bringing them to the promised land. God had brought these people back to the promised land. And they were rejoicing not only in what God had done for others, but in what God had done for them. God saves and keeps his people, and we are among them. Now, here's what I want you to ponder with me. It's been very striking to me this week. The Feast of Booths lasted seven entire days days, whole week. Now, think about how much God's people had to do when they arrived in Jerusalem. I mean, these 50,000 people arrive, and they have rubble to clear. They have food to supply. They have houses to build. They have a whole community to structure. 
And yet what we're being told here is that their first priority with everything that was on their plate, their first priority was to build the altar and then spend seven days celebrating the feast. And I don't know about you, but I can imagine that if I had been there, I just might have been asking some questions. You know, with everything that needs to be done, can we really afford to take an entire week off right now? I mean, let's get the work done first. And then when we've done what we need to do, well, then we can enjoy the feast and then we can celebrate what God has done. I don't know about you, but I can imagine my mind going down that track. And your mind's probably gone down that track at times. Do I really have time for worship right now? Because my plate is absolutely overflowing. I am overwhelmed by everything that I've got to do. And here, of course, God's people get it exactly right. And the reason that they get it exactly right is beautifully stated by Nehemiah, who came to Jerusalem some years later. And you remember famously, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, if you're going to sustain what you are doing for God, you have to cultivate joy in what God is doing for you. Joy in what God has done will sustain you. If you lose your joy, you will lose your strength. And that is why when your plate is overflowing and you feel absolutely overwhelmed with everything that you've got to do, you know what your first priority should be? Worship. Because how else are you going to find the strength to do everything you've got to get done? You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, The Priority of Worship. And that's part of the series, Return. And if you've missed any of the series, or if you want to go back and listen again, you can do that by coming online to openthebible.org.uk or find it as a podcast. Search for Open the Bible UK on your regular podcasting site and subscribe to receive regular updates. Also available on our website and as a podcast is Open the Bible Daily. That's a series of short two to three minute reflections with a new one appearing every day. It's based on Pastor Colin Smith's teaching and read in the UK by Sue McLeish. Sue, what have you personally got out of these January Open the Bible Daily Reflections? Do you know, I've found it really helpful, um, particularly when Pastor Colin, as he so often does, leads us from the Old Testament into the New and shows us that, you know, really the entire Bible is pointing towards Jesus. And then we get some wonderful moments here where it becomes so clear to us. I've loved actually reading this. It's, it's meant a great deal to me. You can find Open the Bible Daily on the website openthebible.org.uk, also as a podcast on your regular podcasting site. At Open the Bible, we welcome contact with our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pastor Colin Smith's teaching and you'd like to reach out to us, there are several ways you can do that. You can write to us at Open the Bible, P.O. Box 1420, Cheltenham, GL50, 9PG. Or you can phone us on 0330-335-8089. If we're not available when you call, leave a message for us and we'll return your call. 
Open the Bible is able to stay on this station and on the internet as a result of generous gifts from our listeners, people just like you. And if that's something you'd like to begin to do, if you're able to set up a new donation to Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to send you as a thank you gift a book, Psalms by the Day, and it's written by the Bible scholar Alec Mottier. Colin, who would you say this book is written for? Oh, well, this would be a great resource for anyone who wants to expand the capacity of their own heart. You know, the marvelous thing about the Psalms is that they address every kind of human experience. I mean, you've got joy here, you've got depression, you've got faith, doubt, peace, raging, anger. I mean, the the whole range of human experience is in the Psalms. And Psalms by the Day is just a wonderful resource to open up these marvelous prayers in which we're able to lay before the Lord what we're feeling in our own hearts and what we're experiencing in our own lives and seek from him the help that he alone is able to give. Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book as a free gift if you're able to set up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more. Full details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and for Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll be able to join us again next time. Do you ever wonder why worship matters so much? Find out next time on Open the Bible.